everyone. Welcome to the Learning Journal. I'm your host, Erica Zimmer. And today is kind of a special day for me because I have not only my mentor, and some of you may know who I'm talking about. I've talked about her a lot on LinkedIn and in my podcast, but she's here today to also share some secrets of being a hiring manager. So welcome, Kara Nord. Hey, Kara. Well, hello. Uh, lots of expectations there. I don't know if I should be called anyone's mentor, maybe bad influence, but <laughs> I love your podcast. I love what you're doing and really excited to talk about something that is a little bit different because especially if you haven't been on the hiring side of kind of these ID jobs, it can see like seem like this black hole. So hopefully I can share some insights and wisdom that I've picked up on my side and kind of tell you what a hiring manager may want to see in the stuff that you put out. Yeah. So I thought you, I mean, you having on as a guest is the perfect guest because I'm looking for a job and a lot of my listeners are looking for a job and to be able to have that insight that you can provide us because I know that you hire and you're actively trying to hire right now. Um, And what are some of the mm, common mistakes that you have seen um, from applicants? Ooh, okay. We're starting negative. Okay. Um, So... (laughs) You're fine. The first thing I will say, and I had a a long Twitter conversation about this. So if you follow me on Twitter, you may, may have seen this, but I'd say one of the first mistakes is treating me like I'm your social media friend. And what I mean by that is you would not believe when I shared out that I had this posting available, how many people just sent me a message drop me their resume and it would just be like, here's my resume. I'm interested in your position. No, Mm. hello. No, hey, how's it going? Nothing. There was no kind of interaction of me as a human. And that kind of is a turnoff, at least for me. Like, I don't care if you want to talk to me, learn about the position. Like, of course, I'm happy to talk to you, but just kind of just dropping your resume in. uh, No, like you need to apply apply for the position. Um, But the one that really kind of stood out, and this happened two times, was I had messages from, hey, I just applied for your job. So tell me when you want to schedule time for me to interview. And I'm like, "Um, excuse me? Oh, so they went straight to, I applied. When are you going to interview me without you even responding to their application? Yeah, they did. And so that's where I went to Twitter and I said, listen, just because you follow me on social media doesn't mean you are entitled to an interview with the company that I work for. Like that has nothing to do with anything. And so one person said something that really kind of stuck with me. And I just want to share this is, you know, what if this person is getting kind of this advice from these different blogs and, you know, job, job postings that are saying, Hey, you know, you need to reach out to people to stand out, you know, kind of these advice columnists. And I 
I agree. I mean, I think there's there's something to really be said about, you know, being yourself, standing out. And I loved your episode on here when you talked about revamping your cover letter to make it more about you. I love that. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's a time and place for things. So so just remember that, you know, there is a person on the other side of this and also yeah. know that if I don't respond to you immediately, that probably means I'm working. And the reason there's an open requisition at my company is I need help. Um, yeah crazy, right? I like, I need help yeah. managing all the projects that we have going on. So just be kind and think about that. Um, I hope no one would do that that listens to to your podcast, but just know that it, it did happen to me and I was really taken, taken back by it. So networking, jumping into LinkedIn and everyone's got a network, you got to connect, you got to network, you got to connect. And coming from um, a K-12 field education, it's just like networking doesn't really exist in our career. Like we just don't do that as much. And so I had no idea where to start. Like, honestly, I didn't know what to do. And I just started like, quote unquote, listening on LinkedIn, like watching what other people were doing as much as I could. But it was like the, the first time I actually reached out to like a recruiter or hiring manager it was so nerve-wracking like you have to you have to be vulnerable and I met you through networking actually um I guess if that's what we would call it we were both in design by humanity I just again took another risk we kind of ended up in the same um sections in slack I guess and and I reached out to you and to ask you a question, and here we are today. Yeah, crazy. So <laughs> you couldn't get away from me anymore. So. No, it, it's it's by choice. It's by choice. Yeah. So um, I do want to talk a little bit about what you said about kind of that fear of networking, and I know that's something that even I overcame. Um, but really solid advice. I would recommend before you network, take the time to build your own digital footprint. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is, and again, this is what I do. Your mileage may vary. I'm not representative of every hiring manager out there, right? But you better believe when I'm looking at somebody's name on a resume, I Google them first thing. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. And so... Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm afraid to put myself out there, whatever. Why would you not want to control the narrative of what someone sees? Yeah. You know, so take that time, build out your profile, bring in some of your personality. Um, be sure to be, you know, sharing things, commenting things uh, that you want people to see. I think that that's really important. So when you do send out that message, when you get that bravery to send out that message for that networking, then not only is it just like you're sending something and asking for feedback, but then they can also look and see that you've taken the time to build yourself too. And I think that that's really, really important. That is a good point. Um, and that takes time. I know last summer I didn't have hardly as much of a presence online as I do now with, um, you know, instructional design. I, I didn't have a portfolio last summer and I got nowhere. No wonder. Right. So, uh, and how, how important is a portfolio? 
Oh, that's a good question. I think yeah. it depends for the position. So for example, the position that I'm hiring for is a learning experience designer. And I fully expect this person to be able to take over these various projects at the organization that I work at. So I'm looking for someone who can not only do the analysis work, do the storyboard work, do the curriculum development work, but I'm also looking for somebody who can build the learning experience and yeah. can also have those conversations with the stakeholders about what the outcomes are supposed to be and how we're going to evaluate it. And furthermore, going back to my boss, who's the director of operations for the company, how can I send that back to my boss and tell him what metrics matter for the time that we spent on pushing that learning experience out to our associates? So that's what I'm currently looking for. So because of that, portfolio is important because I want to make sure that it is someone who can hit the ground running. Now, with that being said, as I continue to grow my team, I am looking for some entry-level folks at some point because I think the coolest thing about being a, a manager or above is, you know, you get to help grow people and you get to help like get them kind of upskilled in instructional design. And Erica, if someone wouldn't have done that for me, 10 years ago, I wouldn't be where I am today. Someone took a complete chance on me um, being in training and I had no idea what I was doing, but someone was patient and kind with me. And then that led me to Amazon and, you know, here I am. So I I think that that's really important. And because that was part of my journey, I want to do that for someone else. So that's something that's really important to me. I like that. The giving it, that's why I admire you so much is you, 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 give so much back to the community and um and people love you for that. I mean, you're just a generous kind soul and um people see that in you and I know I just immediately knew you were someone I wanted to know and learn from and I really appreciate this opportunity. I told awesome. you it's a secret. I don't like people knowing that. I'm tough. That's out of mean. the bag. We are Darn it. We're revealing all of your secrets. So I'm curious, what kinds of things have you seen um, in applicants that made them stand out a little bit? Okay. Like unusual Um, or funny or fun things? Yeah. So I actually want to circle back real quick to the portfolio and just share some maybe quick do's and don'ts, and then I'll answer your question because it just hit me. So, um, you know, I had this conversation with uh, somebody who's reached out to me on LinkedIn who wanted me to review their portfolio, which I did. I was happy to actually had some time to do it. But um, I will say one candidate that, you know, I've, I've seen or, you know, a problem that I see in portfolios is when they share full learning experiences at their previous work. So I don't know about every organization, but I know my current organization has a very thick NDA and that's put in it nicely. So for me immediately, because we are in such a competitive work environment, we don't want any of our trade secrets to get out. So I would be scared if I see somebody share something, a full learning experience that they built somewhere without saying that they have permission on their portfolio explicitly. Mm to share it, that that's an immediate do not hire for me because I would be scared to death that they would work for us and then share some of our trade secrets. So that's a big, that's a big no for me. Um, Another one is that, you know, I do still consult on the side. I still build things. I still have licenses to storyline, captivate, et cetera. I, I know when it's a template. 
Okay. You might yeah. be able to push it through to people who, you know, been out of it for a while, but it, it's not going to pass the sniff test with me. So I saw a couple things where, you know, um, it was definitely a template. And third, if the rec says you need a portfolio, and if I ask you for a portfolio and you tell me you don't have it, you're gone. That happened yeah. too. Well, I don't have a portfolio. Well, why'd you apply then? Like I, I said, you needed a portfolio. So why, why waste, waste my time? Um, but to stand out, um, I did see someone create um, basically a very meta, put all their portfolio in a rise. So it was like they were using articulate rise to ha um, house their portfolio. And yeah, it was so cool and it was so fun and it was really well done. So, um, you know, that got them to the next round of, of the the process. Another thing that, that stands out to me is uh, just bringing your own personality into things. So um, one person was really interested, I believe, in gardening. So they had this really nice interaction where, you know, you clicked on it, had different little hot spots, and it said, this is my actual garden. Like, this is what I actually grow. Oh, and I actually I showed that. them selling stuff at the farmer's market. And I really did enjoy that because I was like, you know, this is somebody that that's a person. And third, beyond the portfolio, um, I'm going to guess blend into your question about what makes you stand out. Yeah. Um, I got this from from Marco Facini. I don't know if you all know him, but he is in the UK. He's big into VR. He's just a really kind soul too. And something he said years ago has just stuck with me and I've kind of taken it into my management experience is, you know, I feel like I don't care where you went to school. I feel like, you know, yeah. your experience, yeah, you may have had good experience, bad experience. But one thing that I look at is I want to know how you're giving back and how you're owning your own professional development. So I want to see, are you volunteering? I want to see, you know, are you involved with ATD, your local ATD chapter, national ATD? You know, how are you growing yourself as a professional? Because I don't feel like I can teach that. I mean, I can feel like I could teach somebody how to build something in a storyline or put something in a learning management system, but I can't teach you to give a hoot about your own professional development. Right. 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 Yeah. I think there's something to be said for that. Um, I know, well, here in Vermont in K-12, we have a our own set of standards. We call them the transferable skills that we really try to base all of education around. And we use the content to teach these skills. So it's like being self-directed, how to communicate, how to collaborate, how to be innovative, how to be creative. All of those skills um that I've often heard of as like soft skills or 21st century skills or whatever. Um, and employers are saying like, I can, you, you know, I can teach people the content, like if I have to, but I can't teach them how to communicate. I can't teach them how to collaborate. I can't teach them how to be, you know, creative, that kind of stuff. So you make up a really good point of, you know, these are the skills that we didn't focus on so much in, you know, as far as like learning, we, we, wanted to develop like how much knowledge can you spit back out at someone versus the skills of being a lifelong learner and using your resources and trying to problem solve and all that stuff. Right. 
Um, Another tip I will give while I'm thinking about it is um, just so you know, a lot of companies do what's called a structured interview. And Mm -hmm. when I mean a structured interview, it means that each candidate is going to get the same amount of questions, the same kinds of questions over and over again. And the reason they do that, obviously, a couple reasons. One, um, you know, legal defensibility, right? So that way everybody had a fair shot kind of in the job, um, you know, interview. But also, too, it's easier to kind of rate people's answers. So, um, Mm. you know, great example, someone looked really good on paper. Uh, Someone's portfolio was really good. Get them in the interview. They couldn't answer a question to save their life. Even after, which I shouldn't have done, um, asking, well, can you tell me a little bit more about that? I got really superficial answers. And it was really a bummer because I want to believe that that person would be a good fit. And I'm also very empathetic that, you know, obviously the, um, you know, not everybody's a good job interviewer. And I get that. But I do think that as a job seeker, just know if you're getting these questions that are like behavioral based, you better believe that your answer is going to be compared against everyone's. So a method that they taught me when I was at Amazon was called the star method for answering questions. So, you know, what's the situation, you know, what was kind of the task you did, the action and the result. I think that that's a really great way to think about how you're going to answer your questions because it's easy for us taking notes, which we have to take notes on your responses, of course, It's easy for us to kind of write it out that way. And it's easy for us to remember what you said when we're having those those conversations about who we should select for the job. So, again, just know that even if you're not the best interviewer, think about as you're answering, giving kind of those little cliff notes of things. It just makes it a whole lot better um, for you. It makes you stand out. That's awesome. Kara, this has been really great. I, I know I've learned a lot and I know people will also appreciate this insight because we don't, you know, some of us are feel like we're throwing darts in the dark and <laughs> trying to figure out what makes hiring managers tick and how to just kind of get our foot in that first interview, you know, like in the door to get noticed. So these are really helpful tips on that. Do you have, do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, just be yourself. Um, you don't have to pretend to be someone else and just know no matter where you've worked before or what your educational background is, you're still going to have some kind of acclimation to that learning development department wherever you go. And hiring managers know that, right? So just be yourself. You don't have to know the answers. You don't have to know everything about everything. I mean, I still don't know everything about learning and development. I've done it my entire professional career. So just being yourself and being humble, it really goes a long way. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I always enjoy it. I always look forward to it. And, um, you know, I hope we get to talk again soon. Well, I'm excited that I can say I remember when. Yeah. I, I knew Erica when. You I knew my, Erica before. Well, you were in my inspiration for this podcast. Like, I wanted, you just, like, gave so much to this community and gave so much to me. And I wanted to be able to start giving back and... I didn't know how because I didn't feel like I had any skills to give back. But I just realized, like, you know, I'm not alone in this. And if I talk about it, maybe somebody else will not feel alone. Well, and I think you're doing a really great thing for people. So thank you for being you. Well, thank 
you. All right. Thank you so much.